Okay, so Blue and I had discussed what would be interesting to discuss with you folks uh, from a training perspective. And we talked about a lot of things in the last few weeks. And one of the things that I think is really critical in a training program is the inclusion of time trials. And for those that are wondering what a time trial is, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're going to test your capacity to cover distance uh, over time. And so it can be done a whole bunch of ways. We're going to talk about it and make some recommendations. And what do you think, Blue? Good idea? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that not a lot of people do. And if they do do it, it's very rare and they might not. I, like I was telling you earlier, it's it's often daunting to the point of almost feeling like a race. Um, and that's just because it's, it's not visited often enough. So if we can provide some structure here and, you know, kind of it, take away some of the, the fear of it and then give people an idea of how to use it as like, and I'm, you're going to go into this, but it's it can be such a extensive tool. You can use it for so many different types of um, levels of intensity and, and different distances. So, yeah, let's get into it. So, um, in cycling, they refer to it as the race of truth. And essentially, you know, they separate the wheat from the chaff. So I want to know, how fast can I cover a particular distance? And they do this in the tour, you know. It's a big deal. But... To me, time trialing should be more preparatory. It's like getting to know what you're capable of, making plans, moving into the future relative to what you learn about the way your body responds to work. And I just think it's an amazing tool. So in all of the training programs that I write for runners, there's always an inclusion of time trials. And usually what I'll do is they start out as just basically an assessment. For example, it could be, I want you to run a mile at a given pace or heart rate. Generally, it's heart rate. And we want to see if you stick to, for example, 150 beats per minute for a mile, and you're focusing on the way you move, at the conclusion of that mile, you write it down, say, well, I was only able to do X, or I was able to do Y, you know? And you just record that information for later days. You set about your training for a bit, maybe four or five weeks, you revisit it, do the very same thing, preferably same time of day, you know, same uh, level of uh, preparedness, meaning that, you, you know, you slept as well as you did the last time. The weather was the same as it was last time. Try to make sure everything is, is, is uh, um, close to the first time around and you do it again. And then now what we're looking at is comparative analysis. We want to see, wow, I'm improving. You know, I'm able to get the distance done at this particular intensity for, you know, much better than I did before. And, and by the way, I have done this with people over time and saw some amazing, amazing results. And, you know, people you know that, that we've done this with for, um, what's his name, uh, Crispin. Um, yep. Azrit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He, uh, you know, it was kind of shocking for him and because – I told him, I said, look, I, I, for example, in, in early stages of training, I wanted him to stay aerobic a lot. And he said, well, if I do that, you know, keeping my heart rate down the way you're asking me to do that, 
um, it's going to drive me crazy. He's, he goes, is it okay if I run a lot? I said, you can run as much as you want to, as long as you don't violate the, the intensity. So where I'm going with this is that uh, a group of runners at the conclusion of about four weeks of trialing and then coming back to trial again, his aerobic pace dropped from an eight minute to a six minute pace. He dropped a full two minutes. And I had been on, on a bike with him, following him for a 10 or 15 mile run. And he was complaining to me that he couldn't get his heart rate up to 160 beats per minute anymore. And, <laughs> and I'm saying, well, you're paying wholesale now, dude. You used to pay retail. 160 beats per minute and the yield was this six minute pace. Now you're doing it at 140 beats per minute. And yeah. incidentally, you did the same damn thing. You know, yeah. the, the outcome for you uh, over, I mean, I, I show that Strava that you sent me to everyone. As a matter of fact, I might even post it here. You know, you're, you know, yeah. in, well, let's talk about it. So when you ran Boston yeah. uh, at a 225 finish, your average heart rate was about 160 beats per minute, if I, if I recollect. Yeah. yeah. And during that time trial that we did leading into the following year, um, your average heart rate was, I want to say, probably no greater than 135 beats per minute. Yeah, 135 in, in a 20-mile time trial, I think it was 519 per mile. With, uh, And I was running, I deliberately was running a route in Santa Monica that takes you up this pretty famous route called San Vicente, and it's a two-mile uphill. So it's going down and up. <clears throat> and typically, like, when in, in killer marathon shape, you know, I could run up that at, at – 535 pace and really redline it and i was recovering up that hill at, at 530 pace so my my fast miles were sub five minute mile i was recovering uphill at 530 um it was bizarre you know that, that was the end time trial of that whole cycle and that was and you know speaking to the time trial i had done what do you think you put in there like 10 time trials i, I feel like there was a lot of time trials <laughs> built in no there wasn't 10 uh, but there was probably a good six I think there was probably six in 20 weeks. Uh, and they yeah. got to be a little closer together towards the end. So 20 weeks worth of training. And then they started to get a little bit more vicious, right? You notice that we started looking at yeah. uh, negative splits. We started looking at um, uh, steady state work over threshold. And um, yeah. and in the beginning, they were easier to deal with. They were uh, quantifiably, they were mostly aerobic. Uh, and yep. then they got longer and lo we started like doing one against one, then like five miles, then 10 miles, then 15 miles, then 18 miles, then a 20 miler. So however many there were, but they were all um, progressive. And so and that's a huge point. I think what made it so digestible and achievable was the way that you built you, you built it to be achievable, you know, like that you really did allow me and how you can allow an athlete to be ready for the task at hand. So by the time I hit that 20 miler with, and that, that one was crazy. I think that one started like out the gate. It was like, you know, a three mile push, you know, like hammering for three miles off and then another three hard. So it was just, it was relentless because it was, it was a race prep, you know, time trial. Um, but by the time I had gotten there, I was, it didn't even seem like much. I did it by myself. Didn't even need a training partner. Um, and that's where you had gotten me, you know, from a being prepared 
standpoint, um, but with, with your progression. So yeah, that's a huge part of it. I think people sometimes maybe they just, the time trials are too intense for, for where they're at. So, well, and so the other thing that we, you, we, you and I discussed before we started doing this today is that I really like um, developing sound feeding strategies and hydration strategies during these time trials. So you're not pressed with a race. We're just going to experiment. So you might find, let's say, for example, that we do uh, a 20 mile time trial and the focus is just to keep it at an aerobic pace only because, you know, clearly, if you, if you can't cover the distance in an aerobic pace, you're not going to cover the distance anyhow, right? You've got to be able to at least get it done aerobically. And even when you minimize the intensity, um, the hydration thing comes into play. Uh, if you start to cramp up, your electrolyte levels aren't on point, you're not getting enough carbohydrate, the frequency in which you take fuel is not organized well enough, you don't have enough confidence in the way you feed yourself until you go to the... How many people you see lined up at the porta potty at a, at a race because they took too many goos uh, and their GI yeah. tract is just jacked, right? And I mean, clearly that destroys your race. <laughs> you know, it's bad enough to have to stop, but to stop and wait in line with, you know, five or six people ahead of you, uh, and you know you can't, there's no way you can't wait because if you, you know, you're going to shit yourself all the way down the street if, if, you, if you try to go. And so eliminating those kind of stressors where you just know this is the way I need to feed myself. I'm going to figure this out before the race and I'm going to challenge these circumstances during these longer trials. And then you start to really get into a nice place with it, you know, where you, you just know, okay. Uh, and I've done this, by the way, I've done this with you before. I've done this with other people in groups where we do 20 mile trials and I would show up every 15 minutes and feed them. Uh, whether it be yeah. just uh, a carbohydrate solution, uh, washing it down, uh, maybe the next time around be a goo and I wash it down with water. And I've had people complain to me, oh, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm saying, no, I want you to take it. Because yeah. historically, they're not used to taking fluids or, or feeding themselves on that regular uh, periodization where every, every 15 minutes there was something coming into their system. And yep. then I found that after the fact, they realize how effective it was. So it isn't just about uh, your pacing is a function of your capacity to produce the work. And yeah. if you're overheating or you're cramping up or your carbohydrates are dumping and that, that all is going to manifest into reduction in your performance. It could be as yeah. much as 10 or 15 percent reduction in the pace after about 18 miles. Right. Which I experienced in my race in Boston. Um, it's just a human thing. I was overheating. <clears throat> excuse me, overheating. And my heart rate was super high relative to the pace. I mean, talking about the time trial, running 135 beats per minute at you know anywhere from 510 to 520 pace. I could hit, I could hit that with rarely going over 140 beats per minute in the end of training, in in every one of my runs, and in in the race I was at 160 in the first 5k and the pace wasn't fast I was like holding back it was like 525 um which was a bummer <laughs> you know to see that after so much training but it just shows is obviously the humidity was was a factor um and there's just nothing you can do about it right you just you do your best and it is what it is yeah you know it, it you can't always control what's going to happen with the environment right 
You can never control what happens with the environment. You can only control what happens to you. And and so, yeah. again, it comes down to the, it's like I talk about all this preparatory stuff. And really, to me, that's what, what I like to use time trials for um, is, A, uh, knowing what pacing strategy you can sustain and historically yeah. knowing and having the confidence that, you know, you, you've done this before. And in most circumstances, you're able to rep re uh, repeat the process, um, and that's that's bonus bucks. Just just knowing I'm this far in, and I can drop the hammer another five beats per minute or ten beats per minute. I'm still cool, and and test that. Just you know, trials are you know it's like uh, a uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, I'm having a complete mind fart. Um, when, when you go to, like an, uh, an artist will go out and prepare before he goes on stage. Dress rehearsal is what I'm trying to say. So it's basically a dress rehearsal, right? Yep. Where I'm going to try all this stuff and maybe try some things that are a little crazy just to yep. see what's going to happen. Because... Yep. During the race, it's not time to try to to take chances and and try things out, right? You got to yeah. know what's gonna what's gonna be predictable and what you can get away with and what you can't. You want to go in. Yeah. It's like I said, chance favors a prepared mind. This hope has nothing to do with it. If you go into a race and you you know you're hanging out with your friends, well, I don't know, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm hoping this is gonna happen. You're already screwed. That means you didn't you just you didn't even train properly, right? You should know almost to the minute what the what the outcome is going to be in that race. And yeah. I can, you know, when I coach people, I can generally tell them where they should end up based on what what they've been doing. And I and I arrive at those conclusions based on the time trials, right? Yeah. So. Hundred percent. I mean, the entire purpose of that time trial, like you just said, is is to figure out where you're at, but to to get to play with it. I think a lot of people I coach they're very married to a certain number before the training. They want to break three hours in the marathon or they want to, there's something that people want to achieve. And I think that maybe a better way to look at it is let that potential be revealed to you over the course of your training. You might end up way faster than you thought you were going to be, or you might not quite get as fast as you thought you were going to be. Either way, you need to be where you're at, right? And I think, I think the time trial is the, that opportunity to figure out what those things are. And if you, and definitely like with the run flow that you use with, with our last cycle, it isn't about pace, it's about intensity. And so that allows for, you know, that, that not, not having expectation for what I'm going to run as far as a pace perspective, but knowing what I can get away with, with an energy output. So I think every time you finish a time trial, when you're looking at it from, I'm going to give all of my energy to each one of these segments. At the end of the day, the, the pace is a residual effect of your energy applied. And I think that was a cool, I never looked at it from that perspective because in previous cycles it was, this is the amount of race pace we're going to try to hit for this amount of the run. And that was a time trial. And I think well, that, I typically yeah, it's still will, a time trial, um, but it's, it's so pace specific that, you know, it's, it's just a different game. Be pretty on top of making sure they understand where they are. So to me, it's like it's like your compass. You know, it lets you know where you are, and you 
you use that in training. But during the race, I don't want him, I don't want him to wear it. It's, if you're going to wear it, you wear it for me. So after the fact, I can see what you did. But I don't want you to look at it. Because if you spend yeah. 20 weeks training and paying attention to the cost of work, your perception of the cost of work, and are really staying, staying, you know, a student of the art. Come race day, you're gonna, it'll, it'll be. You're, first of all, you get the excitement on itself is gonna cause you to go out a little too hot. It does to everybody. And and if you start to rain back because you're scared of it, um, you may cost yourself time that you didn't need to give up. Yeah. So you need to start yeah. really relying on perception and the education that you gathered through the training, and the time trials are. A, a check and balance as to whether or not things are going well uh, or not. You may find I need a little bit yep. more work. Uh, I need a little less work. Uh, and the trials are going to bear that out. When you start to notice improvements, you start to really realize like, okay, I'm on point. Uh, it could be that there's just a little too much work. And, you know, you you start to find, you know, it's just a way to figure it out, to figure out whether your, things are going well or not. So I'm um, What was that? Um, was that that saying you have with <clears throat> developing a kinship with your own energetic intensities? Is that what was that? What you said you said something about run flow. It, it you develop this kinship with your own. I think it was in your book. Um, but but it's 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 that idea where you, you're basically you get to know yourself so well. You know what you can output. And to your point of not wearing the monitor during the race, it's that's how I felt in my race. I while the paces were totally off of what I expected and my heart rate was through the roof, I, I didn't, it, it was like, yeah, that's not what I want to see, but I know how I feel. I know how much I can give and what I can get away with. And I'm trained for this. So my, 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 my total time was 227 in the race. I was trying to break 220 and I really know I could have on the right day, but I'm, I'm proud of the race because I know I, I, put out every bit of energy relative to, to relative to how you know, I was trained to do that, it. Uh, one of the things day, that I started doing recently I never gave in that I had never really done it before. A, it was a good day. You know? Is that so, after performing VO2 max and looking at the numbers, seeing what the threshold looks like, what the maximum heart rate looked like, you know, what the, the VO2 max looked like, I'll take the client out for a run. I will be on a bike next to them I've got a monitor on them that the, the data is being borne out to me, not to them. So I will dictate the pace and I'm looking at the cause and effect relationship of their efforts versus heart rate. They're not looking at it. And, and it's interesting because you may find that some people are comfortable when their heart rates might be a little higher than you might assume would be reasonable based on the clinical findings and how much recovery they need and how much intensity they visit. So I did this a few times over the past few weeks with different clients, but had this girl in the other day and, you know, she's a beast. She just won the High Rocks World Championships. And I, I tested her incidentally, not just on the treadmill, but I tested her on the rowing machine and I tested her on the ski erg as well. And I wanted to see the, the variation in her threshold between those devices. But then I took her out for uh, I took her out for about a five or six mile run, rolling hills, and I, I put her to task. 
I took her outside her comfort zones and I started looking at the way she typically might train and what the cost of work is when she typically is running versus where I felt she should probably be. And, you know, and I also looked at the higher limits, how much intensity she should take on and what's too much, mm-hmm. you know. So and I actually spilled this out in a chart for her where I showed that when you start to overreach, when you get beyond this maximum potential yeah. for adaptation and you're spending a little bit too much time there, the need for maximal recovery behind that is great. And so you start to throw your training into a tizzy because you're trying to do too much, you're overreaching. And But the other end of it is yeah. some people are just a little too mellow with their efforts. They're not really achieving the limits that they're possibly needing yeah. to achieve in training in order to be more effective in their races. And I had, you know, again, this girl is very, very capable. And I'm looking at it and I said, well, you, you need to do more of this. She goes, my God. She goes, I can't breathe. You're killing me. I said, well, you know, you need to learn how to breathe when we're working this hard. And you know what I mean? It's like you, you shy away from it because you start to feel like, you know, your respiration rates, you can't control it or whatever. You need to learn to control it. So, again, this is all trials. This is all about measuring capacities, looking at what you can do, what you can't do, and then progressively improving relative to the distance you hope to race at. Right. And, you know, it's easier and more intense at the same time when you go shorter distances. But it gets more complicated when you start to introduce, you know, really serious need for hydration and feeding strategies, things like that. And the longer you go, the more important it becomes, right? So I'm all about the trials. I just think, I think at the end of the day, um, orchestrating trials effectively through the course of your training paradigm <clears throat> yeah. is probably the most important ingredient in the whole process. Yeah, and, and I would say that it's they don't always have to be at race pace. If, it depends on what you're trying to find out. You know, if you're trying to do that comparative, like you talked about in the beginning, of what what do you look like at your aerobic heart rate, you know, versus race pace. I think, yeah, they, they don't have to be one specific thing. I, I think a coach can use them for all different types of stuff. But for an athlete, if they're just thinking about themselves, you know, you talking about getting progressive as you go through your cycle um, and then just know what you're trying to get out of it. Are you trying to find out how long you can sustain race pace? Are you trying to find out, you know, are you using it for that plus your fueling? Is it a race prep type of a time trial or is it an aerobic comparative to the, when you one first the started trials, training? One of the I think workouts understanding I do with what the outcome, I'm trying to figure them out. What the comparison that you're looking for I realize is, this is working that's, virtually. This that's maybe somebody, uh, before we got on just now, I was just on the, on the line with a client in Zimbabwe, Africa. Uh, odds are I'm not going to Africa to meet her. <laughs> I have them do uh, five by fives. So f- five kilometers at aerobic pace. <laughs> then, you know, recover. You can do it later in the day if you want to. Five kilometers race pace. And I look at the differential between the aerobic pace and the race pace. It may not be, but 20 beats per minute difference. And then you start asking yourself, well, if I split the baby, what if I stay, you know, instead of maybe being aerobic at 150, racing at 170, where am I at 160? 
what's the sustainability at 160? You know, when can I push up to 165 or whatever, right? So, again, you start to learn. You start to do the math uh, regarding to the intensity, regarding to the cost of work and uh, the distance that you travel. So, you know, I mean, I could beat this drum all day long. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the most important part of the training, right? And I think it's just the the least talked about, if and probably the least visited. It's just there's a lot of these like key workouts oh, yeah. that you oh, people yeah. do. Well, like I say, the, but the, girl I mean, the I key just workout spoke is to, to give you fitness and prepare Africa, you for your race. But the time she's trial doing is where you find out, okay, where am I really at? And she's she's run comrades. Um, I don't know three or four different times. I, I worked with her through a few of those, and actually some other girls in in Africa as well that I worked with. But um, she said, well, what do you think? How am I doing? Because we're, we're right now, I think we're eight weeks out from comrades. She goes, how am I doing? She goes, you think I'm going to be okay? What do you think, coach? I said, well, boom, time trial this week. <laughs> you know, so end of the week, I said, okay, we're going to do a 30-kilometer time trial. I want to see how things are going. And then the following week, I said, I'm going to do another time trial, and we're going to do a negative split on the end of that time trial. And, you know, the, we're, we're going to answer our Find own out. question, right? You're going to see, you're going to start to develop confidence or no, you know, yes, yeah. I'm ready. Yes, I'll be ready. Or no, I'm not. I need more. I need less. Yeah. You know, it, that's the way you figure it out, right? And so I don't like to just, you know, oh, yeah, you look great. Uh, don't worry about a thing. You're going to be fine. I don't play that game, right? Yeah. You, I, I'm either going to say, you know, let me get back to you. And I'll go through the data and look at historically where we've been. Yeah. And I start looking. By the way, that's one of the yeah. other things I did. I started looking at the volume. Where are we at every week with this? Where are we going to be this week uh, as opposed to where we've been? And I, so I start looking at, you know, yeah. where things are. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and rather than just try to give you some idiotic retort about your state of affairs, yeah. um, let's figure it out. And, you know, the only way I know for sure to know whether you can do it is to do some of it, right? (laughs) Yes. Anyway, any any thoughts I haven't, we haven't touched on that we want to close this with? Yeah. No, I think it, you know, it's, I think the main thing that we wanted to get across was why we do the time trial and then how to implement it effectively um and and just to get people to start doing it more you know and and have a better understanding of their own of their own performance potential before they get into the race and they're they're guessing like oh can i do this can i break three hours can i qualify for boston whatever you know this transcends into all kinds of know like you said uh, you should know what you're able to do and you're going to do uh, before you set the starting line so because you know i work with a lot of obstacle course racing athletes and they get into scary scary long mountain downhill runs and running downhill is an art i mean being a being effective going down craggy terrain fast is not only dangerous but you need to prepare yourself for that so i'll have guys do downhill workouts exclusively where you find a, a stretch of hill you maybe walk your way up to the top come down and I have them come down in a variety of ways rather than just running down over and over again and hoping one day it's going to get better 
try it at different cadences. Try different frequencies in the cadence on the way down. Split it up. Maybe do a little bit of uh, traversing on the way down. And just start looking at what's the easiest way for me to get down. I'm looking at my time. So, wow, that worked out really well. That didn't work out so well, right? And you start to realize there's a way to do this, and I've just figured it out. I did the same thing in stadium races where you have a series of stairs that you've got to run up. And I'll say, I want you to go up every stair, come back down, take every other stair, come back down, and then maybe the third time, go up some of them, you know, where you're every step, every step, every step, and then go bound a couple, three or four of them, and then see which way, energetically, what is the most efficient way to get up there. And then use that when you're, and I'll have them do that before the, right before the race. And have them do the same thing going down the stairs. So this, these are also trials. These are time trials relative to the challenges you're going to face, right? And so it isn't just about laying it, laying it down on a flat route road and, and, you know, monitoring your heart rate. There's so many other variables that you have to take into account. And it's just checking the work. What they say, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? <laughs> That's exactly what it is, man. And I sure. you, you just um, demonstrated that the trial is this age-old process, the trial and error, right? Like you're using a trial. Trial to avoid the error. You're just the trial and error. If I go, that didn't work, that worked, you know? And so you can use it for lots of All different right, well, things. All right, cool. So we're going to yeah, put a fork in this bad boy. And uh, I certainly hope people yeah, will exactly. take the time to <laughs> subscribe to this so that we can be motivated to continually offer up a, a few pearls of wisdom if we can find some, right? Uh, I'm, I'll tell you, lately I've been all about this high rocks thing. I, I like that it's complicated, right? I like that it's complicated. I, the concept of fatigue, yeah. how are you managing fatigue? What can you do to avoid just blowing up yeah. is really what it boils down to. Get there first. Don't blow up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's inter- interesting. Uh, it's off point, but yeah. I was talking about you And there's yesterday. so much carnage. It makes it entertaining yeah, to watch. This person, <laughs> I said, you know, I've been trying to talk Blue into doing an obstacle course race. You need to do it, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, you. If you do, I'll, um, I'll, do, I'll do one. If you do, I'm getting strong right now. So I think the race distance the less for you running, is a more beast. strength. So it, half yeah, marathon. I'm I'm ready. It's a half marathon, 32 obstacles, and generally it's on yeah. you know, significant terrain. Yeah, 13. Oh, half marathon. Yeah, um, you know, like yeah. Tahoe or or uh, uh, Big Bear, yeah. uh, Breckenridge, Killing uh, Killington. It's all these. You know, these infamous uh, resorts, ski resorts, basically. Um, I don't, you know, I sometimes so it just depends on the, the course. What is the typical finish time in these? Are like and two hours? It, or? Th- there's so many variables in this because you get there, you got weather. Um, whether or not they're going to put you in water. You know, if, if you've got to get wet and it's like 40 degrees out. Yeah. That that's a game changer, you know. 
You're, yep. you're at 10,000 feet and you just got wet and the wind's blowing at you at about 50 miles an hour and it's about 40 degrees. Yeah. We'll, we'll pick one. We'll pick one. <laughs> we'll pick, you know, maybe even do like a 10K. Uh, well, send me some information you know, on some of these upcoming races. I'm getting, I'm... Um, <laughs> but I, I think you could, I think you could surprise some people. Yeah. I know who the best in the world are. I've, I've worked yeah. with the best in the world, so, and I know what they're capable of. But I, th I think you, I think you'd be surprised just, that you you could hold up with these guys, even fresh, just never done it before. You yeah. could probably still, you know, the the obstacle proficiency is going to be the the kicker. You know, you've got to you're not going to move through all this stuff as quick as they do because they're, they're so used to it. Yeah, so you're gonna do yeah. you're gonna do some, well, some monkey bars. Like, it's just and it's very they, specific they change stuff, up. right? Like they always so do it. Whatever a you have to hold on to, uh, something might rotate. Um, you might go from a bar to a rope that you got to hold on to. Um, sometimes they're low to the ground, which is kind of weird because then you got to keep your feet up. Yeah. Um, and then there might be the, the heavy carries. Yeah. You're looking at you know carrying a bucket full of sand. And 60 pounds and oh, yeah. have to run up on a hill, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe as much as uh, 500 meters or something like that. Uh, sand care, sandbag carry, um, uh, Atlas stone, you might have to carry a big round stone for a little yeah. bit. Um, going over walls, nothing's crazy, nothing, nothing is outside your purview. I'm pretty sure you're, you know, you snap to it pretty quick. Well, but your upper body strength has always been good. I, I, that's why I, I, I feel like you, you'd have a shot at that. It's not, you know, relative to your weight, I think you've got a really good chance of, of, of doing, doing good. Because um, the big guys get in trouble. They're not, they're not fast enough. They're strong, but they're not fast enough. Uh, the, the winners are in and around your way. I mean, the, one of the greatest obstacle course racers uh, in our history so far was a guy named Hobie Call. He's built like you. He's about 140 pounds. He's fast, really fast, you know, and you never know. I mean, instead of doing construction work, you might bring home $5,000 in a weekend, you know. All right. Well, let's put a fork in this bad boy and we'll get together next week and do something else.